On today's episode of Go Book Yourself, the podcast that helps you master writing, marketing, and publishing one bite at a time, Drew Lynn Salata, an audiobook master, is joining us to answer all your questions. You don't want to miss this one, so go grab a snack and meet us right back after this. Tune in to Go Book Yourself, powered by Helix Interactive with your book coach and publishing expert, Hilary Jastrom. I got to introduce you. I can't just have you sit in the studio since we're sitting here today <laughs> on video. I can't just like leap into it while you patiently wait. We'll leap into it in a minute, but I just want you to say hi first. Hey, what up, everybody? Thanks for having and me you on. And you froze. Your video froze for a minute. Did it? Well, we might use the video. We might not. We'll see. Oh, we'll see. Okay. Whatever. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here yeah. as always. Absolutely. Well, this is a subject that needs to be talked about. So many people are listening to audiobooks these days. And if you're an author, you probably have about a million questions about them. How do I create one? Should I read my own content? How much does it cost? What are the things I don't want to do when I'm creating an audio audiobook? And on and on the list goes, and we're going to get to all that in just a minute. But first, I need to ladle out some love. Sponsorship is twofold today. We've got the usual hug going out to our parent company, J Hill Creative, 1L. You know, when my mom named me after a dishwashing detergent commercial, she decided to put a spin on it and use the one L and now forever and ever until I'm dead. I'll be telling people with one L. But that is where you find us at J Hill Creative One L. And that is where your team at Bookmark Publishing House is waiting for you to help you. Just head to J Hill Creative, go to the top of the page, click on the contact button and get in touch. We'll talk about bringing your bucket list to life. I want to give a personal shout out today to my son, and I'm hoping we can wibble wobble uh, some of his music in there. My son is a member of a band called Josh Sky, and you might think of them as like indie funk or punk or neo or whatever. I'm old, so I'm making up things. But find him on Spotify, Josh Sky Comfortable Volume 1. It would be a personal favor to me if you would listen to it. We saw him at First Avenue and he blew our socks off. All you all you could see, as far as the eye could see, were socks on the floor because all of our socks were blown off. Well, so please, head on over there. Welcome, Drew, again. Thanks, Hill. Yeah, uh, let me give you a little intro. For the past seven years, you've been consistently on the air on a podcast you started called The Anxious Truth. It's a slightly unorthodox anxiety podcast. It's been in full swing since 2014. That is even before podcasts were a thing. That was like you had an inkling and you did it. Now you've got over a million downloads two million, and yeah. growing. Oh, is it two now? Yeah, we just had two million not too long ago. Holy cow. I have got to update all my data here. It's all good. But you have a large, vibrant, and engaged social media community of amazing humans supporting, inspiring, encouraging, and empowering each other to overcome anxiety and fear. As of the airing of this episode of Go Book Yourself, you also have Trace 
bestseller books, which is amazing. Your latest book is The Groundbreaker. 7% Slower teaches you how to chill your lizard brain out. Doesn't that sound like something somebody would say? Like, what's up, man? Yeah, just chill your lizard brain out, man. Yeah, Back up. Chill that. It totally does. It totally does. Yeah. It totally does. You got to slow down and as a result, calm down. But you might not know that Drew has a podcast producing company. Well, now you do. I talk about you all the time anyways. And you have an audiobook producing company. But you're also the only person that I allow to touch any of my technological stuff. You're here today to answer the questions regarding audiobooks. Everybody, please give a warm round of applause and for this for Drew Ensalada and this cheesy ass joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a round of, if you're listening instead of watching, Hillary's clapping in a circle. I am. I am. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Kesha got nothing on you. Get, I know, right? Mm -hmm. She's going to watch this and be like, man, I thought we were buds. <laughs> oh, you know, I think this conversation is overdue. Probably. Sure. Yeah. I think it's overdue because there are... As popular as it is to do a book now, and that is the thing in the self-help industry, or if you're an entrepreneur or business person, it is just as popular to have an audiobook. Oh, you have to have an audiobook. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no doubt about it. So let's talk about that. Do I really need an audiobook? Why? If I'm if I'm an author and I've started a book and this is enough of an undertaking. I was sinking my teeth into it. Why do I need an audiobook? Uh, you know what? I thought the same thing. So when I wrote my first books, which you were so expertly edited, I didn't think, uh, to be honest with you, when I was writing my first book, I was like, oh, I'll just be a Kindle book. It's all good. And then I like asked my Instagram audience, like, hey, does anybody want this in print? And it was like, oh, I got buried. Like, yes, print, of course. And I'm like, oh, I guess I print it too. So, and it had to be a paperback too. I was silly enough to think that I could just just do a Kindle book and everybody would be fine yeah. with that. I was so wrong. And then as soon as it came out in print, which was a little bit after the paperback, I started getting every day, when's the audiobook coming out? And I'm like, oh, I got to do an audiobook. So um, that's how I learned that my audience was clamoring for audio. They wanted audio in a big way. And I started to learn more and more like, oh, no, people like to listen to books. They love to listen yeah. to books. It's just almost, for many people, it's almost expected now. And you're, like most ardent fans will likely buy a copy of your book in print or Kindle and also a copy of the audiobook if it's that kind of book. I didn't know so that. So that's what you found out too. Like there, you've got one person buying multiple yes. copies. Yeah. I think it depends on the book and the space you're in. I have people who've bought all all the versions of my books, the electronic version, the, the print version, because they just want it on a shelf and the audio version so they can take it with them when they go, which is great. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, if you don't make it, if you leave the audio version on the table, you're going to, you're going to disappoint some of your your readers, I think, and you're definitely leaving sales on the table for sure. Well, and I think too that we are this uh, multitasking society. You know, we we always have to do something. So just the way that podcasts are very popular right now and they've kind of hit a boom, it would make sense that audiobooks would do the same thing. People want to listen. They want to ingest that information. And the other thing is that everybody learns differently. Everybody retains information differently. And some people are like, man, the audiobook is the way to go. Um, this, is, this is what I want to do. A podcast is the way to go. Like, I honestly can't listen to a lot of podcasts. 
because I can't listen to a lot of like, I can't listen to shows while I'm editing. I can't listen to lyrics, stuff like that. If I do, it has to be at a nearly imperceptible level, but most people are not editing books or whatever. Like they're doing, they're doing different things. They're handling finances in a company or, and so they can, that probably made no sense. They're doing different things. I'm trying to think of like a guy like, 1,874, 1,800,000. Dang it, this podcast threw me off, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're generally not. You're right, but I think people take podcasts and audiobooks with them as they do. One of the things, the interesting things that I found is, um, I, you know, my audience for my books, they're dealing with anxiety and anxiety disorders, so they will listen to sections of my book again and again and again, so they've read it and take notes, but they will also listen to it like you do a podcast. But they're not, they're not, you know, doing their taxes at the time. They're not editing books at the time. They're not writing at the time. When I write, I have I do music with no lyrics, so I get you. But yeah, you, you have to. Yeah. you absolutely have to. Yeah. So, and you have people that come to you and they ask if they should read their own audiobook. Yeah, that's probably the number one question. Like, do I have to read the book? So. We get two different types of people. There's people who, look, we're in an era where everybody has a podcast and everybody's live streaming and, you know, all that stuff. So we get some people who come to us and they're like, oh, no problem. I'm on camera all the time. I have a microphone. I'm all good to go. I'll read my own book. And and that's great. That gives you a leg up. But we have other people that come and say, do I have to read the book? Like, they just don't feel comfortable, you know, talking to a microphone. Those are the people that don't like marketing either. They want to be the author and then they just want the sales to magically come in, but they don't. So they just want to like put the book out and then do nothing, but they don't, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to come down on those people, but, but realistically you kind of have to split yourself in um, several different pieces. Like you have to be the author, you have to be the marketer, you have to be the audiobook, if not narrator, you have to enable, mm-hmm. you know, the creation of the audiobook. But not everybody, and I think it was interesting because you you do talk to people who say, um, I've got all the equipment and I'm on a podcast and I'm doing this, that, and the other thing, but they might not have the right equipment, right? Yeah. Well, they might have the right equipment. I mean, first of all, just to address, you know, kind of wrap up the first question, do I have to read my own? There's nothing wrong with hiring somebody to read your audiobook. That's, you know, if you truly, if it's really not in you to read that book and narrate your book, that's okay. It's, there's nothing wrong. There's a lot of very talented narrators and voiceover artists that will read your book for you. You're just going to spend more money then because you have to pay that person. And you got to spend some time auditioning different voices to see, you know, who you think best fits the material. But there's nothing wrong with it if that's the path you take. As far as people that come to us and figure they have like a a leg up, like, oh, I'm a podcaster. There's a big difference I mean, the equipment, yes, but for sure, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but there's also a huge difference between recording a podcast or doing a live stream and reading an audiobook. That's two very different things. So sometimes you find a podcaster that comes to us and it's like, oh, I already read most of the book. Here's a sample. And it sounds like a radio DJ, like like they just talk on a public. You and I are talking now, but you can't read your audiobook that way. It won't work. No. Um, no. Yeah, it's a different listening experience. A person is they have headphones in or earbuds and they're concentrating and you need to actually read the book. Like you would read it to some, like you would read a book and reading aloud is not a thing that we often normally do. So you really have to get into that mindset a little bit. It's all different. Well, and I recommend that you do read your book out loud. Yes. You should, you, you should be waltzing around the house reading your book, <laughs> honestly, because it, it gives you an idea of like, is it flowing? Mm-hmm. 
am I hanging up on anything? If you're hanging up on things, then that's, that's your, that's your cue right there. Yeah. I got the section or whatever, but think of it too, because that's, that's the, that's, what's going to be resonating in your reader's head. So I think that's interesting. Um, I love it when authors can actually read their own audiobooks because I think it gives them a kind of like a, a flavor or they're able to stress certain parts of the book that only they might be aware of. And um, so I always encourage that. But sometimes, yeah, you do get the authors that and sometimes and I know you've had this happen too. you have people that just try, try, try to do it. And it's just not their bag, man. Right. And they're just not, you know, it is a skill, isn't it? It's absolutely a skill. And, and I think it's okay to acknowledge that like some people are really good writers, but maybe not the strongest readers. That's okay. If you're not yeah. a fast reader, if you're not, you know, a super strong reader, that's okay. You read at whatever pace you need to. There's no crime in that. But sometimes it makes it difficult to narrate an audiobook. And we've run across yeah. that. And right. I'm, I'm, we're always happy to support that. If you want to try it, that's great. And we'll coach you the best we can. And there have been a couple of instances when it's like, you know what, I'm just going to hire somebody. And, and that's okay. And we'll support that decision too. But we've yeah. also had some authors who struggled at first, but then they got it. They got I think it. It's, um, I think it's really fun to listen to people audition for reading the book, though. Yeah. I think that is really fun. I, yeah. I love doing that. When I did the trailer for my book, I had to listen to various women and how they sounded and did they have the right kind of um, emphasis on words and things of that nature. Or, you know, what I, I would listen to them and either go, yep, nope. You almost know, like yeah. immediately. Yeah. And when you hear it, you go, nope, that's either, you know. But I think, too, you want to shoot for an unobtrusive voice, right? Somebody who is like, um, kind of like in the news, you know, it's mainline. They they don't sound like they're from the deep south or the they don't have the. Yeah. Well, we have the Canadian accent up here, even though we're Minnesota, because we we just were, we're biters. So we took it, you know, and <laughs> but you have to you have to watch it. You have to really watch it. You know, you have to watch that dialect. And so you want to if you're from Kansas, this is the market for you. OK, yes. right. Right. Right there. <laughs> You're hearing it right now live in this podcast. But I think what's interesting about that is it probably depends. Now, full disclosure, we have never produced a fiction book. That's an almost very different fiction is performance, really. Um, yeah. And, it you is. know, so I think that's a little bit different. So if it's a fiction book and it's set in a particular place or requires certain accents, then you can audition narrators and voice actors that can do that. They can voice different characters. You might have multiple people read your book. Um, that happens. Oh, yeah. I listened to an yeah. audiobook. Um, it was one of my favorite uh, um, audiobooks that I've ever listened to about Jim and Jamie, Jamie Dutcher, and they lived with the Sawtooth Wolf Pack of the Nez Perce for, for years, and they did a whole documentary. It's amazing. And I'm just drawn to wolves. You know, I'm a wolf guy. So, and the way yeah. they did not read their own book, but they had a male narrator read uh, James' parts and a female narrator read Jamie's, and it worked out really well. And I have no idea what the Dutchers really sound like, but now in my head, that's what they sound like. So you got to always take that into account if you pick somebody to read your book for you. Well, yeah. And if you do a fiction book and it's got uh, multiple characters, which it obviously probably does. Mm -hmm. So you have a male and a female. I've also heard it where Sandra Brown is one of my favorite authors and she's just like crazy suspense. Right. So mm -hmm. I think the main character was a female and then her antagonist was a male and she just slid into the narrator was a female and she just slid right into 
talking like this male and first i was like what are we doing what like what (laughs) but then you got into it right yeah you get you get used to it you get used to it and i was like it kind of works she sounds like uh well the 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 antagonist wasn't very uh he was missing a few knives out of the drawer let's Mm. just put it that way so she had to affect you know some of these things and sound like this guy that just was like this low life and she did it. She nailed it. I wanted to be like, bravo. There's some incredible voice talent out there, really, if you look for it. They can oh. be expensive, but they're really good. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I do recommend that, too, in, um, in fiction books, especially because, like you said, his performance is really no different than right. uh, going to a play or something like that. So uh, here, let's, uh, we're, we're going to call this the debunking show, right? Do I need fancy gear to record my book? You do not need fancy gear. Now, if if Helix Interactive produces your audiobook and you have no gear, we will lend you fancy gear. And, and But even then, it's not all that fancy. We're not going to send you $3,000 worth of gear. We're going to send you a really good microphone, and we're going to send you a digital recorder and teach you how to use it, and you get to go. But you can very easily produce a very passable, professional-sounding audiobook, if you narrate yourself, with a microphone that costs less than $100 and some free software that, that we would teach you how to use. You can do okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. You do not need $3,000 worth of microphones and mixing consoles. You just don't need that. So how do I, What? let's say I've got the snowball microphone from my mom, right? My mom gave it to me for Christmas. Is that not, uh, <laughs> oh God, is no. that not a good thing to do here? Um, right. I have to tell my husband something on sure. a podcast. That's all right. See, that's this is the difference between a podcast and editing an audiobook, like and, and narrating yeah. an audiobook. Now Hillary could send a text to her husband about dinner. You can't do that when you're narrating your audiobook. Um, so your mom gave you the blue snowball, or you got yourself a blue Yeti, and it looks so cool. Everybody loves the look of the blue Yeti, and then sometimes they get the boom arm, and it's like they feel like you're on the radio, they're like Don Imus. You guys don't know Don. I Imus. have this. I have the boom you arm the blue, right here. Yeah, the, here you have the boom arm right, right here. But arm. for I'm, I'm gonna maybe I'll ruffle some feathers because I probably people listening have that. But for the love of all things holy, do not use the blue yeti or the blue snowball. Sorry, blue. Like those are those not mics. Sponsored. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't do it. Those if you have that mic, save it for your podcast, save it for your Facebook lives or your YouTube streams. That's fine, but you cannot do not use your. And I'll tell you why. This is why. That you hear that? Like the yeah. the blue microphones are, are condenser microphones and they're incredibly sensitive. So I think when I sent you these, you know, the little outline of this episode, it's like if a dragonfly is pooping outside your window, the blue microphone will pick that up. And that's great <laughs> if you have no mic technique and you're just recording a podcast or you're live streaming or you're doing Zoom. That's great, but you can't do not. You're not going to use that for an audiobook. You want a dynamic exactly. microphone. Let me. I just want to. I just want to take you down a side road for a minute. Yeah. Because do you have to, when you do a podcast, is it unprofessional to have other noises? And, you know, do you think that's not a big deal? Or, or do you think like the big names are like, shut the door, my on-air light's on. You know, like, are we supposed to do that? Or I don't, curious. For, if you're recording a podcast, I, this yeah. is just my own opinion, right? Like, you know, producing podcasts for other people and doing my own podcast. Podcasts have become very informal. So like if you're if you're recording your podcast and your dog barks for, for a minute in the background, nobody cares for the most part. Um, I mean, look, if you're if it's a serial podcast, true crime or something, it's dramatic podcast. Yeah, it probably does matter. 
But if it's just you and your friends and you're, you know, talking about some topic and the doorbell rings or your phone rings, I've heard that in hundreds of podcasts and nobody cares. So it's really okay. It's much more informal. I don't see it being a big deal. I mean, would you hear that on Joe Rogan's podcast? Probably. Probably hear it on that too. Who knows? Somebody's phone might well, ring. I don't know. You know, who who was saying it? Um, Howard Stern would say, I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. If I burp, if I fart, whatever, I yeah, don't care. Just go with it. I, you know, I am happy to do the burping part, but if I fart, we're going to. All, we'll all bets are off. We're out. editing that. <laughs> You've got to edit that out. <laughs> Hillary has her. We've just learned something about Hill today. Like that's, that's where she's drawing the line right there. <laughs> I've got strong boundaries. Yes. You know, you I really, to. I do. I have, I know where they are. I know what the limits are. An audiobook <laughs> is very different though. An audiobook does demand absolute silence. So, yes. you know, you don't need super fancy gear, but you do have to do the best you can. And that's why a lot of people wind up recording their audiobooks in their closet. Like they're literally in the closet. Yeah, you did that, right? Um, yeah. Because well, there's no, clothes I, hanging uh, and you turn off the air conditioner because you can't hear the whew, no fans, no nothing. Don't wear jewelry. Right. You know, don't wear rings that are going to clank. And do you have people also, they read it off of like an iPad or something like a, the PDF? Uh, because you can't flip pages. Right. You can't either, hear it flip, but... flip, crinkle, crinkle. That's And it, a lot yeah. of people will say like, oh, really? It can't be like that. And I'm like, no, it is like that. So there's two reasons for that. Number one, if you distribute your book on Audible, right? Oh, so that ACX is Amazon's audiobook company because Amazon owns Audible. Amazon owns everything book related these days. So <laughs> if you sell your book on Audible, it means you're distributing through ACX. And ACX will also get you to the Apple bookstore and Amazon itself, right? They have okay. very strict audio requirements. And the reason for that, in all honesty, is because anybody who has an Audible account knows that you can read a book, you can listen to a book 62 times and then tell them you hated it, and they'll just give you your money back. Like, there's no questions asked with Audible. And so they, are, they don't want anybody returning an audio book because it, it's unlistenable. So you can't... Oh, I see. Yeah, so, that you know, look, if you decide you just don't like the book, they're not going to question you, but they would have a much higher return rate if they just let, you know, you hear the tractor, you hear the landscapers, the dog is barking. You can't, no, you can't have that. Okay, so talk about that. So what do we do to prepare our space? First, yeah. we have to meditate and get into child pose. <laughs> and then, <laughs> but I mean, you have to, you, you honestly have to prepare for it. It's not only the head space, but like wear loose clothing that you're not going to sweat in mm -hmm. because, um, You'll start fixating as you're reading, too. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to have people hate me. And here I go. Okay. When I was reading it, I was like, all I have to do is swallow right now. All I have to do is yawn. <laughs> That's all. And that, I was just obsessed. I was like, so then, uh, and I would try and, you know, get through it. No. You have to piecemeal it. You do. Don't you? You can't just be like. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I'm going all over the place, but let's talk about the preparation. Yeah, it's totally fine because it does enter into it to a certain one topic kind of leads right to the other. So in the preparation, what you really want to do is just try and make the room as dead as you can make it. So first pick the quiet, and most people watching us will probably be recording in their home somewhere, right? So pick the, the quietest room in your house and the quietest times. So, you know, if the kids are up at 630 and there's four of them getting ready to get on the bus and you're not going to record at 630 in the morning, you're going to record at 430 in the morning or after they leave. Right. Yeah. So the quietest place in the house and the quietest time, that means no outside noise. You got to close your windows, blah, blah, blah. And then you don't want to record in the basement with the concrete floor and the concrete walls where it's there's no deadness at all. Now, 
I get all kinds of yeah. soundproofing in here, but I do this for a living, you know, and I, I'm just constantly recording. As long yeah. as you have a room that has some maybe, you know, uh, there's drapes on the windows and there's some carpet, or you could put a blanket on your desk underneath your computer and your microphone to keep it so you don't hear this stuff. And that's mm -hmm. fine. It's totally fine. You don't need a, a dead studio to record. You can make a nice quiet room. Just okay. And people like a closet, people have gone into pe closets. People record their audiobooks in their closets all the time because if you if your house is nothing but hardwood floors and ceramic tile and that's yeah. your aesthetic, which is totally fine, that doesn't really lend itself to audiobook recording. So I do have people who wind up in their master bedroom in the walk-in closet and they're set up and they have a milk crate with their computer on it and it's I mean, look, it's not the greatest, but they get the job done. And those, some of those books sound really good. So it's, it's, it, it works. Just, just like go sit in your dirty laundry. A little bit. Because <laughs> you know? the clothes <laughs> hanging in the, on the, in the closet will deaden the sound. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah you want a bit of a deader sure. room. So Yeah, wow. And, and then when you're reading, to, to move into the next, you know, we're like, oh, my God, if I do not swallow, I'm going to literally go insane. I get that. When you have to, you have to like, so you have to be resigned to the fact that you'll make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to swallow. You're going to get a crazy, like, you know, sizzly sounds and mouth noises and you'll sneeze and you'll cough and your stomach will rumble because you're hungry. It's okay. Mm. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to make mistakes. It's all right. Make you just them. start over then. You just, you, and, but you don't entirely start over. And then do you do the trick where you clap? Yes. We usually to show where the mistake. Okay. So what, yeah. what is that? What we usually do is there's two ways. If you're technically proficient and like, we're going to teach you to use audacity or garage brand or something like that. There's a technique called punch and roll that you can learn so that when you make a mistake. So when I'm reading, when I read the anxious truth for the first time, I edited yeah. at all my mistakes, but now like when I read 7% slower, that was much better because I did punch and roll. Every time I made a mistake, I just punch and rolled over it. There's a special technique in the software for that. But uh -huh. if you're not going to do that, which is totally fine, what we usually have people do is you make your mistake, snap your fingers into the mic, use a bell, clap your hands. I don't care. So a little pause, a snap, a little pause, and then go back to reading at a natural break point. You know? um, yeah. What that does is it gives your editor a chance to actually see the error because I'll see the dead spot and then we'll see the spike when you snap your fingers. And it just makes it much easier to find the errors when we're watching the waveform go past on the screen. Do you need to, when you, let's say you make a mistake, okay, mm -hmm. and then you snap your fingers, yeah. do you need to then have a little bit of dead air before you start talking again yes. so that you can have something to play with? And on the other side, mm -hmm. too, no, that yeah. doesn't make sense. Just on the one, when you start talking. Right. So what I would say is and just, you know, your editor, whoever's editing your audiobook, whether us or somebody else, they will appreciate this. When you make a mistake, just pause for a second or two, give an audible yeah. signal, a snap finger or whatever pause for another second or two, and then start reading again so that you give yeah. the editor a clean place to make a break. But yeah, otherwise, if you don't have that clean place, it's, I mean, they might hard. hand it in and be like, hey, I screwed up or whatever. You guys might not be able to fix it. Well, I mean, right? you, you could fix time, almost or? everything. But honestly, Hill, like if out of the most professional audiobook that you can think of ever produced, there's never going to be perfections because there's never going to be perfect you know, 100% perfection in it. Because human beings, you know, your voice crackles, whatever. A good producer, if you're in a studio, will say, well, stop, do it again, I guess. But in this day and age, when you're doing the audiobook in your home, you know, sort of self-service, you just have an editor and producer to help you with it like us. Most of it will be perfectly fine. There might be a few points here and there where the edit gets a little bit dicey. You know, there are times when we have to have an author say, uh, go back and please and reread 
this part of chapter two for me. And then we'll insert oh. that in. But otherwise, it, it's all right. It's, it's, it's fixable. You just don't want really a lot of those. But if you listen to any audiobook, you're going to find at least a few moments where you could see, ooh, that was a tough edit. That's all right. And, you know, and that does happen anyways. That yeah. happens in podcasts. We had a tough edit on my podcast last week. Yeah. Um, and I had to redo something because my dogs went crazy. Um, okay, so podcast uh, narrating your book will be a breeze. And people come to you and they're like, what? It's not going to be that big of a deal. Or do you have people say to you, yeah, I'm going to block off like two days or I'm going to block off like eight hours and I'm going to read from start to finish. Why is that don't not that. the greatest idea? Yeah, don't do that. Unless you, you know what, if there are kindergarten teachers listening to us and they regularly read aloud, <laughs> they will know that there's a limit to the amount of time you can do that. You, you do begin to get fatigued. And this isn't like running a marathon fatigue, but there's your voice gets fatigued and your mind just gets fatigued. It's really hard to read out loud for an extended period of time. So what you will find is if you go beyond like a, a person who rarely does it, 20, 30 minutes, that's a really good session right there. Now, you might be able to do one or two of those in a day if you take a break in between. But I would always tell people, if you have a book that's 50,000 words, plan on taking a good week and a half to read that book. Do, yeah. do not do the, I'm going to bang it out this weekend. Okay, you can do that. But mm -hmm. I'm telling you that at the end of those three hours, and then you take a lunch break and do another three hours, your voice will get thin and hoarse, and it will sound different. At okay. The, yeah, and you really want it to just sound consistent. So I will, but I speak into a microphone all the time, and I have a little bit of a bigger voice, so it's a little bit more resilient, but I stop at 40 minutes, because then I, I can okay. hear a change. Okay. Yeah. I did the most, I think, two chapters at a time. And then I said, yeah. you're done. You're done for the night because you can't. But that's just my personal. Everybody's going to be a little different. Like, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's, so, so you have to find it. And you work with people to help them find that too. I'm yes. imagining they could hand stuff in and then you'd go, okay, this is where you started getting fatigued. You can actually hear yeah, that. You can hear it. Your voice starts to get thin. Yeah. And the other thing is you start to make more and more and more mistakes. That's just natural. When you get tired, you start to fumble and fumble and fumble. So when you start reading the same thing like six times and you're snapping your finger like you're at a blues concert, then it's time to stop. <laughs> like put it away, yeah. come back to it tomorrow. Yeah. There's no rush for this. It's okay. Right. Like you're jamming to the words like you should not be constantly. So um, and that's a technique that, by the way, you get really good at fast. I'll tell you a quick 30 second story that delighted me. We worked with one author and we taught her how to do this finger snapping. And about three weeks after her book was done, she texted me at like nine o'clock at night. She's like, I hate you. And I'm like, why? She said, my son, she has a young child. Said, my son asked me to read him, read to him at bedtime. And she's reading, reading his book at bedtime and she makes a mistake and she snapped her fingers. <laughs> and I was, I was like, wah, mad scientist laugh. Like my evil plan has worked. Come to fruition. <laughs> she got so used to snapping her fingers when she made a mistake reading that she did it with her son. And she kid was like, mom, what's up with that? Wouldn't that be funny if she was like at a restaurant and I'll have the Brussels sprouts? No, you know what? Wait. <laughs> like Pause. you just do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I meant the asparagus. Um, I'm sorry. Another sorry. silly tip that I can give you also, uh, and again, this just comes out of experience, my own experience. I, when I narrate audiobooks, I will always do it in the morning. People um, want, me, yeah. So when I'm reading, people get to know that, that sound, right? This is the sound of my voice. So, but it sounds, I mean, it's pretty good right now, even though it's six o'clock at night, but it really sounds like that in the morning. So I record well, my I, podcast in the morning. I record my audiobooks in the morning, always in the morning. I do mine like midday because morning I'm still like a dead, uh, <laughs> beaten, 
just mammal. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just crawling out of the ooze. Like, yeah. I'm out of the crypt. Yeah. Just, you know. <laughs> I get it. But everybody's different. Your voice might get stronger during the afternoon or in the evening. You figure it out. There's no right or wrong. You do. Yeah. You figure it out. Yeah. Do you have to read the beginning matter? And for people listening to this, that is what... Or it's the front matter front and matter. the back matter. Those are the book ends in your book between the main content. So just so you get a little lingo going there. Yeah. Do you have to read the front matter and the back matter in you, these books? No, you don't have to. Like, um, you know, going by ACX standards is a really good way to go, even if you're going to distribute other places. But they kind of have it down for a reason. They know it works. So I, we always tell people follow that. And ACX will tell you, you don't have to read front matter and back matter. In fact, my advice to people mm. is usually don't read that because it's in the book. And when somebody picks up your book, whether it's on Kindle or paperback, if they don't want to read that, they just flip to page one. But nobody, as much as I know that your dedication to Grandma Bessie is super important to you, nobody will listen to it. Like they don't want to hear Bessie that. Will. Yeah, you've got right. You and Grandma Bessie and maybe your family will love to hear your dedication to Grandma. But, you know, I'm being a little bit silly here, but. They don't want to hear that. And we had one author that she had multiple forwards written by, yes, prominent people in the field, but no one wants to hear the forward. They don't no. really care that much. And you, yes, in the Audible app, they can switch to the next chapter, but you want the listening experience to be effortless. Don't make the person go running for the volume knob. Don't make them go running for the chapter knob. Just let it be easy to listen to. So nobody wants to hear about the author and the credits and your acknowledgments. They won't listen. They don't care. Well, and they're flippers, you know, yep. and what I tell people is this is a nice hat tip. Okay. Yes. So you may, and it's not mandatory. You don't have to do it, but for the people who believed in you and worked with you or whatever, that's a nice hat tip to mm -hmm. them. And it's, it's almost like, um, it's polite to do that. Yeah. You know, if you gave me, um, a Turkey hoagie, right. And then I just was like, yeah, you know, and I took <laughs> it and then I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't say thank you. That's not very polite. Oh, I agree. Right? I mean, put it in the book. I would 100% say that you should acknowledge the people you need to acknowledge in your book. But an audio book, mm -hmm. listening to an audio book is a different experience than reading a book. And we have to acknowledge that. I mean, it's, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so people won't listen to that. Don't make them flip through your front matter and back matter. Don't make them do it. Perfect, because that's what I did in my book. I did make them flip through it, and you're welcome. Okay, so we, <laughs> that was uh, three years ago. Right. I'm forgiven. Hey, we live, we learn. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I just I just record then and sell that recording. Let's talk about um, Audible and ACX because there are specific criteria, and it's kind of like. People will go, I'll just upload my own book on KDP. It can't be that hard, right? And okay, so you can read the criteria and you can say, I can follow these steps. I'm a thinking human being, right? Mm -hmm. It is different, isn't it? Just It's not just a matter of following the steps. It really is knowing the craft, right? Yeah, it is. And I wouldn't be, if I had not spent the last seven years speaking into microphones and getting better and better at that and, and editing my own audio and engineering my audio, I wouldn't be doing this. No way. Like I had yeah. to learn how to do this. So when ACX says your noise floor has to be this, this level, and there's, a, you know, I'm sorry, the RMS is too low. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be super, I'm not trying to scare anybody with technical nonsense, but you know, they are going to run some basic software checks on your uploaded audio. And 
you know, a lot of times they will fail. So we do hear from authors that are like, I read my book and I can't get it to pass. They keep rejecting all of my, my chapters. I will send me one. Yeah, send me one. And then I'll listen to it. And it's like, well, it sounds like you recorded it with a potato. Like, I don't know what you used. And I can hear your ceiling fan going. And I, that's why you're not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is this thing on? Hello? Yes. And I could tell that you, your book was off to the side because you're reading. And then you turn your head and your voice changes and it comes back. So you have this weird oh. loudness changes and that's then you have to go so through i yeah. had to hold the ipad out like this yes and, you know so true if you guys aren't um if you're listening to this i held my phone up yeah in front of my face like like an iphone like you would just be flipping through the pages because as drew mentioned you can't have page right rustling and crinkling and whatever but it's that's also um fatiguing to do that so yeah. like maybe have a stand or something in front of like have a music stand and put your ipad on there sure I, I, it's, you know i actually started reading with the kindle like the web reader so i'm sitting at i mean i have a setup for this so i could put the mic in front of me on the boom and i can just i can put the book on my screen my big 20 something inch monitor and flip that so that works out yeah. pretty well for me but you you'd have to experiment a little to find out what you want put your mic on a stand or if you have a boom that's great if you're working with us we'll send you a mic that's on a stand so oh know. okay it's on a stand yeah okay, it's on a stand yeah no you do you will not hold a mic you're not lola falana on you know 1978 on a, on the carson show. you don't know if i am well you might be Maybe but you're claiming to be a lot of different people here hill you're 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 confusing me today you're kesha you're lola falana no one's getting lola falana anybody could tell me in the comments who lola falana is and we'll produce your audiobook 50 percent off um what? You're going to have somebody. Hello, the Google machine. You're going to be like, I, I know, but we'll, she was on the love boat. Well, no, if you Google. But no, no you're not You're not holding the mic to record your audiobook. It's got to be on a stand. Yeah. You won't do it. It's it not going to work out. Yeah. It does. So. 100%. Yep. Okay, so you need a mic stand. Yeah. You need like an, uh, a Kindle or iPad stand. And you can put your book. Okay, so let's talk about the time frame of when you're going to record your audiobook mm. are you going to record your audiobook when it's done or are you going to record your audiobook when um it's not published yet but it's done you know what i'm saying like yeah. is it on amazon or is it done and it's in the process of being published i i mean you could do it either way any way you want really but once it's set in stone like okay we're done and now we're in formatting and all of that stuff and we're ready to upload to kdp and getting our print proofs or whatever you're doing you could start reading then sure as soon as you're done with that final edit and this is it go ahead and start reading yeah. if you want yeah so you can at least come kind of close but here's a little trick that somebody taught me and, and i like this when you release your book, I was because because seven percent slower. I could have released the audiobook pretty much at the same time as everything else, right? Good, but yeah. and this is take it or leave it. It worked out really well for me. But first, release the, the ebook, then get people to ask you for the paper book, paperback, and let that be a week later, so you build up demand. Mm -hmm. If you're gaming mm -hmm. the system, if you build up demand, when the day the paperback comes out, all of the demand gets hit at the same time, and mm, there you go. And same thing with the audiobook. Let make them wait another week for the audiobook. Now, I didn't plan on that necessarily, but that was not a bad strategy. That's actually worked out pretty well. It, it did. It did. And yeah. we do release the ebook first because uh, just by process of how Amazon works, mm -hmm. Amazon is run by human beings. It's not an automated process in any way, shape, or form. What you talking about, Hill? Yeah, what, what you talking about? <laughs> so it is not it is not that and people get so confused. They're like, Oh, I just figured it'd be an automated process. No. And this is why 
if you um, if you don't do a pre-order, for example, mm. they give you a range of dates right. when your book is going to be out. And that's because an available human being has to come in and take care of your project and do all those things. Yeah. So um, by process, the ebook goes out first. It's a digital preview or it's super easy to do as long as you have it formatted correctly and you're hitting all, you know, checking all the boxes on that, then you should be fine. So, um, but selling the recording is hard and Audible, you can, you can sell it somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? You can, is Audible is different than ACX, isn't it? No, well, everything, if you sell your book on Audible, then you're pretty much releasing it. I mean, you know what? This is a good question. Can a book be on Audible that didn't get released through ACX? I don't think so. Um, but that's okay. You can produce the book. ACX is really an entire creator ecosystem, right? That's what it was meant to be. So when you decide, no, I do want my book on Audible, which I would highly recommend that you have it there. It doesn't have to be exclusively there, but it is the biggest audiobook marketplace in the universe. That's just no, you can hate Amazon if you want, but if you want to sell audiobooks, you got to be on Audible. So yeah. when you submit at ACX, they will, they will sell the book on Audible for you and Apple Books, audiobooks, and on Amazon directly, right? So when you upload your book, finally, you're all done. Everything is formatted, engineered, checked, Quality control is good. Your cover, everything is good. We upload, we hit, boom, done, go, Audible. Check this out. ACX, check it out. Right now, they're on a 10 business day lead time. It could. Mm, I've seen okay. them happen in three business days. This is what you can't, you don't know. You don't know. It could be anywhere from a couple of business days to 10 business days. And then, boom, the, the book is out for sale in those three places, those three marketplaces. And you have a choice. You, you can either sell exclusively on through ACX, which means the audiobook can only be on Audible, Amazon, and Apple. In which case you get a 40% share of the price after costs that ACX determines. You do not get to price your own audiobook when you go through ACX. They will decide how much it costs, how much the distribution costs are, and therefore what the net is, and you get your 40% of the net. Okay. Oh, 40% of the net. That's if you okay. are exclusive. If you are not exclusive, which you can choose not to be, and you want to sell your audiobook also on your own website as an MP3 download or through Awesound, or there's a bunch of different little platforms, right? And when I say little, I mean in comparison to ACX. No, if you add them all up together, they wouldn't be a quarter of the size of Audible. But if you want to sell on other platforms too, you'll get a higher share from them because they want you to go over there, but then you'll get only 25% of the net on Audible. So the economics of an audiobook at Audible are not great, yeah. Exclusivity. I, exclusivity. So what we usually say, uh, my audiobooks were exclusive on uh, AC through ACX until yesterday. So if you have a large enough audience, and I don't mm -hmm. mean a hundred of your closest high school friends and your grandma, I mean a real audience, a big you know, audience. Just digging on my grandma. I man. keep bringing up What's grandma. I, I did grandma, but. Um, <laughs> You know, if you have a big enough engaged audience, you can drive them to those other outlets. You can, and they will yeah. buy in those other outlets. Like, like my books will now be on Awesound, which is because they built a really nice, easy to use platform. So that's where I want to send people because I will make more money on every audiobook if they buy it there. If they want to buy it in Audible because they're Audible people, great, buy it there. But now I'm only going to get 25% instead of 40. But you get something. I get something. It's good. You're yeah. providing people with the ability to interact with the content of your book. An audiobook is actually really important because we all 
we all attach to content differently. Some of us are readers. Some of us are listeners. It's kind of like, are you tactile? Do you want to see something or do you hear? So, um, okay. So how long does it take to create an audiobook? And, and this is kind of, um, I think it's an open-ended question. You talked about it takes a person to narrate it X amount of time, but how much does it take? Like if I hand my files in to you and it's like a 50,000 word book, what are we looking at? 10 days, a couple of weeks, maybe probably sooner, to be honest with you. If you're all done, you're all narrated. It's all good. It depends on on how good that narration is. If there's a ton of mistakes, we're going to be slower. And it's probably going to take us two weeks to edit that book and get it ready. If you didn't make a lot of mistakes and we're not chopping and chopping and chopping, then it might might be much faster than that. But it's a reasonable thing to give your editor and producer a good two-week lead time. If they're super busy, they might tell you it takes us a month. I don't know. That's that's business by business case. But we would tend to do – we're not doing 100 audiobooks a year. So two weeks is what we usually tell people. Okay, awesome. And are you coaching people as you go along too? So, um, you know, kind of stumbling and falling. I'm not sure if I can get this done. I lost my groove. I don't have the motivation. Are you coaching people through those issues? We are. So it it depends. Some authors will always offer it, right? So some authors come and they've already read audiobooks. They're good at it already. So they don't really need any coaching. It's fine. But we will always say, let's get you, if you need the gear, we're going to ship you the gear. We're going to show you how to set it up. We're going to, we're going to literally do a couple of Zoom calls where we make sure you have it set up. You're going to hit the record button and record five minutes of audio. Send us a sample so we can make sure it, you know, cuts the muster. Uh, You know, if it doesn't, then we're going to have to go back and coach you a little bit more. So what we never want to do is have an author read four hours of a book only to find out they have to read it again. So there's sometimes there's a lot of coaching up front. But and okay. then once you get you're in that groove, then it's like, all right, no problem. And we will always tell somebody, send us your chapters as you record them. Don't record them all and then send them. Because if something goes wrong in the middle of chapter three, you don't want to read all the way to chapter 12 and then have us tell you ah, those nine chapters have to be redone. So, oh, my gosh, yeah, you and, get into and, a workflow. And the best thing to do, it really sounds like is just like before you embark on anything, before yeah. you do a podcast, before you start a blog, before you create a website, read about it, learn about it so that you're not just going into this blind and assuming. I think these are the, the media is just everywhere now. And people are just sometimes assuming, why don't I know how to do this? Because if I look at it, it's this and it's this simple. And there's strategies behind it. And there's reasons that people do things. So I think it's really important to just stop and go, okay, even after listening to this, I need to learn a little bit more. I would direct people to your website. Yeah, because, sure. Because, you know, make sure questions. that you're getting the information. Yeah. And I'm, we're, I'm, we're happy to answer them, by the way. Oh, I know you are. Yeah. I know you're. Hire you, us, don't hire us. We'll answer the questions. Yeah, you're overly accommodating. You always are. You're like, <laughs> yes, whatever sure. I can do for you, good sir. So, uh, okay. So let's uh, let's talk about the cost. Let's okay. talk turkey. All let's right. Talk turkey. Okay. Well, so I started this by saying you, you got to do an audiobook, but the reality of it is maybe you don't because it really depends on how many books you're going to sell because an audiobook will cost you some money. Let's assume that you can read it yourself and you're going to work with someone like us that, you know, okay, Helix is going to give us, give me the equipment so I don't have to buy any equipment. There's a deposit, but then you get it back as long as your dog doesn't need our microphone. Um, which is no fine. Guarantee no guarantee there. over there. Yeah. If I send you one of these, I'm going to buy a replacement because I know Bobert's going to eat the mic. 
Um, <laughs> but that's that's okay. So you know you don't have to buy any gear. You're going to read it yourself. That's fine. If it's us, you're going to wind up spending six, eight, nine hundred dollars worth of coaching and instruction. Possibly, if you're a dead scratch novice and you're struggling with it, we've had people that don't need any of that. I've had people where it's only a couple hours, a couple hundred bucks. Um, and yeah. then it's you know anywhere from where I think we're at now three twenty per hour per finished hour of audio. Some producers okay. and editors will charge you by the word, literally. I've seen that. I've seen, like, it depends on how many hours you give us to edit. We'll, But for us, it's finished hours. So if yeah. you give us, which then the onus is on us to coach you well. And if we don't do a good job and you're reading terribly, it means I didn't teach you well. And then that, that's on me. I got to carry that burden. So we really want you, you prepared yeah. before you read, right? And so yeah. we think we'll prepare you well enough so that I'm happy to price the finished hour. If it takes me three hours to make one finished hour, that's my problem, not yours. So I'm okay yeah. with that, yeah. Um, okay. And in terms of the number of hours it might take you, uh, figure that every 9,000 words in your book is about an hour, roughly. So, you know, so you're going to spend, you could spend anywhere from, you know, a thousand to a few thousand dollars to create an audiobook. That's good to know because there, yeah. it's just like any other field out there, right? There's, right? When you do your research, it's like, oh, they're over here and they're charging this and they're charging that. Yeah. But I think it's good to have a range. It's good to have a pocket. Absolutely. And then yeah. it, why, why I go back to like, well, maybe you don't want to know it from an economic and business standpoint. If you're literally yeah. only selling 15 books a month or 10 books a month, and this is a four-hour audiobook, which means Audible is going to price it at like $7.95 minus distribution. I, I wish I knew what that meant. It's all electronic, but minus cost. And then you get 40% of that. So you're making, you know, a dollar 92 and you sell six audiobooks every two months. You're never so getting you your money back. Never. You're never going to get that your money back. That is a cup of coffee. And then you can say, I am a professional yes. audiobook narrator. <laughs> yes. And that's fine. <laughs> if you're doing it as, you know, whatever, it's a calling card, it's part of a bigger, and we've talked about this stuff, it's part of a bigger strategy, you're a speaker, you're a coach, whatever. Go ahead, yeah. do it. It's worth the investment for you. If you're doing it because you think you'll make a whole lot more money in your audiobook, not if you're only selling a couple hundred books. I'll tell you, I'll be no, honest I with you flat out right now. If you only sell 300 copies of your book, you will lose money on your audiobook. Yep. And I say the same thing to my authors. Yeah. It's uh, you have to buddy up and you have to pair up those outside promos, the, the classes, the modules, the courses, the masterminds, whatever you're right. doing, right. you have to pair that up. Otherwise you can just look at it. This is an investment that I, it's not even an investment. Sometimes it's just like, I'm just going to put this money into it. And I will make some money back. Yeah. But there is a huge other machine behind creating a book that has to you know, come into play sure. in order for these costs to be recouped plus. And it's not just, okay, I want to recoup the cost. So then it's a wash. We want you to make a profit. Would be nice, on right? it, so. Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. I mean, it depends. You really have to be honest with yourself in terms of how successful an author am I my in book sales to know yeah. if you're going to make money or lose money on the audiobook. Honestly, I have one client that I've worked with before and we haven't done the full production, but we've helped him with the upload part of it. And I've thought, like, I, I know his stats on ACX, and he doesn't sell many audiobooks at all, but he has landed multiple six-figure, you know, consulting deals from from those audiobooks. So, like, and that's a great deal for him then. Excellent. He's thrilled to make audiobooks. Absolutely. So the, the onus is not on the individual sales. Right. The onus is on what is this connected to, this larger machine with yes. a higher ticket 
items. Exactly. When he's in, working in, in his market yeah. segment, he's able to say to somebody, hey, here's a link over here. Look, I, I, you can go get listen to my audiobook. And, you know, Love they'll it. listen to it in the car and call him and boom, it leads to work for him. So it's good. Well, and I do know some authors that just say, I'm going to put the audiobook out there for free. I'm going to make it available. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mm -hmm. send the link. I'm going to do whatever. I've right? done that. And yeah. That, I mean, yeah, I yeah. know you've, you, well, you're the, you're the marketing master. You're like the, you're like, <laughs> how can I break the marketing machine? Okay. Uh, now I figured out something amazing out of the whole thing. Yeah. So Drew, I want to thank you so much for being welcome. with me today and uh, sharing everything that you know with our listeners. It's very meaningful. And uh, I like, I just love it when people get credible information. So such a power packed show starring Drew as the credible resource, allowing you to make the most informed decisions concerning creating your audiobook. I invite you to check out his services at helix-interactive.com. We will also have that information, obviously, in the show notes. So you can reach out to him. And I would not be a good friend if I did not tell you that his third book is as the old timers call us whippersnappers, a humdinger, right? 7% Slower is a book based on mindfully slowing down. It explains why doing this works from a physiological standpoint of how you have been built as a human being. It is one of the most clever tricks that I've ever come across as a person struggling with anxiety. 7% Slower marries the chaos of today with the instinctual nature of our bodies to speed up when we perceive danger. And it is just brilliant. When we learn how to manage that urge, we can enjoy life a little bit more. And that's what it's all about. Oh, thanks. So. Yeah, of course. Well, it's true. It's true. I, I catch myself. I'm like, how can you do it slower, though? You know, like whatever it is, how can you make the sandwich slow? How can you load the dishwasher slower and avoid injury? All right. Speaking of enjoying life, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening and learning all about audiobooks. When you need help, you know where to go. That's it for this week's chapter of Go Book Yourself. Until next time, authors, right on. <laughs>